Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the FHU Leadership Podcast, and I'm excited today to have my friend and fellow co-worker here at Fried Harmon, Dr. Matt Cook, with us. Welcome, Matt. Hey, good to be here. Good to see you every single day. You're just right across the hall from me, so it's weird to see you with headphones on. I know. Now we're in this podcast looking right across at each other. Usually we're just yelling at through the doors. Yeah, I don't like making eye contact with you like this. It's weird. I know. We um, we have a good time up here on the second floor of GC and enjoy teaching and working with Fried Harmon. So, Matt, one of the things that uh, you're involved in that I want to put a little plug in before we move to our uh, content is Horizon. So tell us about Horizons. Yeah, so Horizons has been around for about 40 years. Uh, Billy Smith and others started it years and well, 40 years ago. Um, and it's kind of grown and grown into this camp where we now fill every dorm room on campus. Uh, we have about 900, not about, we have precisely 976 spots for campers, about another 225 spots for adults. And really, it's a fits well with this podcast. It's a leadership camp. Now, it's adapted over the years. It used to be just kind of a preacher training camp, but now with that many kids, 976, um, we focus more on general Christian leadership and what's that, what that looks like for teenage guys and teenage girls. Um, and man, it's a great week. Uh, the worship is just awesome when you get that many people, to get that many passionate people together. And so much learning, a lot of fun. For those who are unfamiliar with it, I guess I'd try to describe it like this especially to convince teenagers that it'd be fun, um, you get to come live like a college student for a week. You stay in the dorms, you eat in Gano, you go to Bible classes, you do fun stuff. And so if you want like a taste of college life as a teenager, then the, it, it's a pretty fun week. Yes, and we and a lot of our listeners are elders, deacons, and things, and I think it's important for them to know that Fried Harmon does this and to encourage their churches to send their youth to be a part of this. Right, and it's obviously most people have their own church camp, and we've got Mid-South here, and those are great. This is different in that it's kind of an on-campus experience, and instead of, you know, Bible classes under a pavilion, you're going to a Bible class in a classroom, and Dr. Justin Rogers is going to teach one usually every year on Revelation or really any topic you can imagine. Um, we cover it, and we really focus on leadership, so yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I think it, it's a great way to train your 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 entire youth group, especially the ones who are interested in being leaders. So what's the website? How can people register? Where are we at on that? Yeah, so you can find Horizons on the Freed Hardman website. Uh, if you just go there and search search Horizons, it used to be fhu.edu backslash Horizons. Um, that may have changed with our new website. And we're, oh, we're, we're about a third of the way full. Um, so we've still got four months or so, but it, you need to start registering pretty soon. Mm -hmm. We'll fill up probably by early June. All right, so get registered. And if you're, um, if, if you're listening and you have kids in uh, the 7th through 12th grade range, mm -hmm. then we encourage them to come in. If and one of the great things is is they get to learn about Freed Harmon. And so many of Horizon students end up being full-time students at Freed Harmon. Yeah, the percentage is really high. If we have a, you know, 120, 130 12th graders, um, 70 or 80 of them will be coming to Freed that mm -hmm. fall. So it's a great place if you got kids coming to Freed. It's a great place to meet meet other freed students that you're going to be in school with. Yeah, and, and help them kind of know what, uh, get the little experience of, of, yeah. of college life. All right, Matt, so today we're uh, talking about how to be an effective Bible class teacher. And, and I believe that you have a lot of skills. You've given a lot of thought to this. And so you have some ideas that you've shared 
uh, along these lines of being a teacher in general, but especially thinking about Bible classes in the local church context. So what are some things you would consider as we uh, begin this topic? Yeah, there's so much to talk about there, Josh. It's funny. Like, we do this every day. And I know it's not in the church context, but here at Freed Hardeman, we're teaching multiple times a day, and then we got Wednesday nights and Sundays, and so we we have to be thinking about how to do this well all the time. It's not that we're experts, mm-hmm. it's just we're thrown into the fire doing this all the time, and so we're forced to think about it. We've we've all sat in a, a class here at Freed Hardeman and in a class at a local church, and you see the glazed over look in people's eyes that remind you, okay... I can, I can be better, and I can do this in the best possible way. So, I don't know. I guess there's a couple of things that really come to mind that I think help a Bible class take off and help it to go well. And I guess the first thing is just the way you start. Mm-hmm. When, when you're looking at an audience, and whether that's at a, in the auditorium class at a church or your teenagers, think about all the different scenarios and life situations you've got representative represented and all of the burdens that are brought into that room. And this is true with preaching as well, but we're talking about Bible classes. All of the things that people have to think about that might distract them from what you're about to do. I mean, you've got people who are thinking about work. I think about Wednesday nights especially. Man, people are kind of rushing to get there. They're tired. They're thinking about work on Sundays. They're thinking about the weakest. Lots of things they're thinking about. And it's not that they're just distracted, but you've got kids, like you know, teenagers in particular, they're thinking about sports. Um, they're thinking about the opposite sex that are in the room that they like, and that's distracting them. Um, there's people who are heartbroken, who are in physical pain, mm-hmm. like literally all sorts of scenarios. And somehow I've got to convince them that what we're about to do for the next 45 minutes or whatever it is, that it's worth their time and it's worth them engaging with what, what I'm about to do. And that's that's hard to do sometimes. It takes a little bit of work, right? Yeah, it's hard because so many times in our Bible classes, we want to be very biblical. So we say, we're just going to study from uh, James chapter 1, or we're going to study from 1 Peter chapter 1. Or when we're really ambitious, we say we're going from Jeremiah chapter 1, right? But and, and that automatically creates a level of boredom and a level of, um, I'm not very interested for a lot of people. And, and, and we may not like that, but that's just the truth, isn't it? Reality. Yeah, we just... We want to think that just by virtue of saying we're about to study the Bible, that everybody magically, their brains come on and they're yeah. so excited to listen, not just study the Bible, but listen to you explain it. Cause, mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. People are distracted. And so there's lots of there's lots of options as to how to start and get people's mm-hmm. attention. And like you just mentioned, you could start off with, today we're going to talk about, we're going to continue our study of James chapter 2. Wow, that's really exciting. That's just going to get people super engaged. Or... Um, good morning. Glad you're here. We have several announcements to make before we get into our lesson. Now, I'm not saying you can't make announcements, but what do you, if you've got just a short amount of time, I, I want to make sure I do everything I can to get them to buy into what we're about to do. Um, just those things I've just mentioned, it doesn't give, no matter how excitedly you say them, it doesn't give anybody a reason to want to listen to what we're about to do. Yeah. That we, we have to realize that we are talking to people not just explaining a text. Absolutely. And so we, we want to think about how can we convey this message to this audience? And how can I get their attention if they are a little distracted? And it's, it's easy to be critical and say, well, they shouldn't be distracted. All of us have come into mm-hmm. church and started a Bible class distracted by other things. So I want to do something to get their attention 
And in the teaching world, we call that a hook, mm-hmm. right? Somehow we want to hook people. And there's a couple important qualities of a good hook. It gets people's attention, right? So there are a lot of things you can do there. It can be something funny. It could be a story. It could be uh, a question. Um, all kinds of ways you can do that. Probably it's not, turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. It's not a way to get people's attention. I think the second thing it does is it sets a goal um, and gives them a reason to in, engage. It gives them, a, it answers this question, why should I listen to this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going to happen here that's going to make a difference for me in some way? And then a good hook leads naturally to the lesson. Now, you can tell a joke at the beginning of a Bible class that's just funny for the sake of being funny, and that's fine and that's good, but how much better is it if you can start off with something funny that also leads into what you're about to do? Mm-hmm. And that's tricky. And the problem with this is that it takes work. Like, this isn't, this isn't easy. It takes extra work. I can prepare a lesson. We're doing a study on contentment right now on Wednesday nights. And I have some great content. I'm using a couple books that are really helpful. And I had it all laid out. And I didn't have a hook this past Wednesday night. And I, I remember putting in my notes, need to think of a hook. And I didn't. And so Wednesday night, I'm sitting at supper thinking, what am I going to do? And I thought of something. It was a silly story. It was kind of making fun of me in the way that I was not content and went up and bought a TV because somebody else had the TV that I liked. But even just a last minute something to get people to smile and say, oh, yeah, I relate to that is, I think, vital to beginning mm-hmm. a Bible class instead of just jumping in without trying to get their attention. Well, you're trying, once again, to say this is relative. This is, Im- this is important for you to listen to. And so I think, I think this idea of attention or hook to draw them in and keep that on the topic. I thought that was a good point you made, that so many times in our Bible classes we make them separate from our topic. Right. I like to think of it like this. You mentioned the word tension there. The first th- if the first thing I do is get their attention, then I want to create a, a tension. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've created this little, and I don't, I'm, I've Googled it to think, did I steal this from somewhere? And it's... Dumb as I am, I think I made up this little this little equation by myself. Attention plus tension equals buy-in. It almost rhymes, but not quite. So attention plus tension equals buy-in. So if I can get their attention with a fun story, a joke, uh, even a picture on the screen, a discussion question, and then if I can use that to create tension. And what we mean by tension is helping them to see like feel some sort of need, like, oh, wait, I do need to hear about what we're about to talk about. He maybe hasn't explained exactly what we're going to talk about, but he's introduced it in a way that makes me want to, to buy into this and feel as if this is somehow going to be important to me. Um, I guess attention is something you want to resolve. Mm-hmm. Once they feel that tension, then they're like, oh, wait, this is something that we need to fix, and he's inviting me to be a part of this as we dive into Scripture. So attention plus tension equals buy-in from, from people. So people are constantly asking themselves questions, and they're struggling, as you mentioned. I mean, this is how it relates to the struggle you talk about. People are struggling. They're asking all these questions. And so what you're saying is this is an issue you're facing, attention, a question you're asking. You may not even know you've been asking That's it, but right. you are asking it, and you'd like to have the answer. And then you're, you're going to see how God's Word gives an answer to that question. That's right. And you can do that with any sort of lesson. If it's topical, like contentment, mm-hmm. you can do that. If it's a text, I've mentioned James too, just in passing. So if you're talking about 
for example, partiality. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one to tell a story or give an example of, of the way that the church struggles with this and then say, hey, here's the good news. The Bible kind of helps us to address this tension. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can begin in that way, get people's attention and create attention, you're going to get more buy-in from, from your audience. Um, there's lots of ways to do this, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, I think we could share yeah, some of those. share some ways to do that. Um, so there's... I can think of one of my favorites is in a class here at Freed Hardin when we talk about the will of God and spiritual disciplines, and I bring a Magic 8 ball, and we talk about, we have fun with the Magic 8 ball and ask it questions just to be silly, and then I say, you know, we kind of treat God's will like this sometimes, where we think if we say just the right prayer and rub the Magic 8 ball mm-hmm. right, exactly right, then we'll get the exact answer of what God's will is for our life, and I give several scenarios in how we treat the will of God. And I think I, I take it a little overboard, mm-hmm. and I give th- I give three or four. And after three or four last semester, there was a girl in the corner, and she looked really disturbed. And it's kind of the kind of student that you can kind of give a hard time. And I was like, what's, what's wrong with you? And she said, are, you act- are we going to actually figure this out? And I said, and I thought to myself, I have set the tension so strongly that she's almost, like, irritated. She wants to figure it out. So that's a simple way to, like, illustrate how you can do this in a way that makes people really want to do this. So I think a story is the, probably one of the best ways, and everybody has great mm-hmm. stories from life. Object lessons like that magic eight ball mm-hmm. is a simple way to get people's attention and then create attention if you use it well. Uh, scenarios, um, so we can kind of say, imagine that you're doing this. Um, this is, for example, an emissions class, and I know we're talking about Freed Hardman's different thing. Um, I can kind of help them to imagine a scenario and say, what would you do in this scenario? Mm-hmm. That kind of helps them to buy in. A good quote. Mm-hmm. And now quotes can be cheesy and boring if misused, but especially if it comes from pop culture, that's kind of fun. A good statistic, those, are, those can be good. And then video clips, that probably depends on your situation, mm-hmm. how well your audio works or AV system works, or if people are okay with videos mm-hmm. in your scenario. But most youth ministers... Youth ministers are great at that kind of mm-hmm. thing, creating those sorts or grabbing attention in that way. Pop culture references, uh, referencing a movie or a historical figure. Again, pictures. I can set attention just with a picture. Mm-hmm. For example, if we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I don't know, the forces of Satan and the dark side, putting a Star Wars picture up or some witches or something like that on a screen, immediately, without saying a word, I've got people's attention because they're wondering what in the world is he about to what is he about to talk about? Um, news stories, I think, work. Problems mm-hmm. like we could talk about declining church attendance or the drug problem in our community or miscommunication. So I think problems are a good way to get people thinking. And everybody everybody's done this to some extent. I guess what I'm saying is we probably ought to ought to think about doing this nearly every time we teach a class. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. It's hard. It's extra work, especially when you you feel like you have something really great to say about the text, and people are just itching to learn what I have to say. No, they're probably not itching to learn what I have to say, yeah. but if I can do the lid, that five extra minutes of thinking pretty hard about a, a hook is going to help um, in some way. I think simple questions, uh, a discussion question, or has anybody been to this place? What was that like? Those are helpful. Uh yeah, those are kind of the big ones, I think. What other ones would you have? I'm sure you well, have some. Well, i got a funny story I want to tell in a minute, but before I get there, so would you, do you try to carry yours through the lesson? In other words, if you create this problem and create this tension or maybe even a story, is your ideal scenario to kind of weave that through the whole lesson and then even come back to the end and, and, and wrap this up with the 
tie-in? Is that your goal? Not always. It's ideal. Mm-hmm. I think that fits better with a, a sermon mm-hmm. where I'm kind of, as the preacher, I'm the only one speaking. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little different than a Bible class where if you allow discussion, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's the discussion can go in different directions, and it's kind of harder to control the, the narrative. Um, ideally, if you could... But to me, that's, that's pretty difficult. If you mm-hmm. can weave it into the whole thing, from, on most Bible classes, especially if you're teaching all the time, if you can just come up with something at the beginning, mm-hmm. I'd be, I'm satisfied with that. Uh, if, if you're genius enough to weave it through and conclude with it every time, then wow, that's well, awesome. And I think in a lot of Bible classes, especially in a local congregation, you're pretty open in terms of we're going to... We, we don't have to get through this X number yeah. of verses. And so you begin with getting them bought in, but then you go to the text and you're studying, and you may, with discussion, you may not get through near as much as you anticipated, which is more yeah. normal, or you may get through a little more than you anticipated. Right. But then the next week you're going to pick right back up. Right. And so I think it's, it doesn't have to be wrapped up with the bow. You don't necessarily even have a conclusion always in your Bible classes. Yeah. It's not, I, it's not a sermon. Yeah, if you're getting great discussion, then I'm okay with letting that roll and then... Those last couple minutes kind of tie a quick bow mm-hmm. on it, uh, say maybe the last mm-hmm. thing I want to say, and that may mean I don't have time. I may have had this great story to conclude with or to tie it back up. So I, that's that's tough to do in the, with the limited time you have in a Bible class. Yeah. I, th- I, I long ago in Bible classes changed my philosophy from disseminating information as a go to making transformation as a go. And so instead of worrying about how much content I got through – just worrying about did I change anybody during the class, yeah. and and that that was more uh, helpful because then you didn't get focused on content, and then you allowed the class to direct where the class went. Mm-hmm. And the best classes are when you throw the meat out on the table, everybody has a part of it, and then you end up yeah. with new things that nobody anticipated. Yeah, and really, what we're talking about with hooks and good introductions is it's in, it invites the class into the process of saying, here's this problem. You can like you, we can solve this together. Reality, you've got an agenda and you've got an outline that you're going to follow, but it's inductive learning to say, mm-hmm. how can we solve this together? And then everybody plays a part, and that's going to allow them for more transformation and application. Who is it? Bruce Wilkinson in Seven Laws of the Learner says he thinks 50% of a class ought to be focused on application and therefore transformation. Wow. When we want to, we want like 80, 20 maybe sometimes, but really especially on a Wednesday night when people are tired. Number one, they don't want to sit there and listen to me share all of my knowledge mm-hmm. for 45 minutes. They want something that they can take home and they want to talk about it. Uh, so that, you're absolutely right. Transformation's got to be a big part of this. So um, we'll get to that. Because let me tell you my story real quick. So this past uh, Sunday, the week before, I had preached on love, and I had talked about the idea of what's real love. And I, you talked about pictures, and I had put up some pictures um, of what's real love. And and uh, one of the pictures I put up was right after the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And, of course, you know, people had a real strong reaction to that, you know, whatever they think. <laughs> and different pictures. Well, the next, this last Sunday, uh, one of the grandmothers was saying, yeah, I asked her little grandson, said, I asked what if, she, if he remembered what the preacher said. And he said, he said, well, he remembered two things. The preacher talked about love and Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I'm not sure that he got the right point from that, but he did remember those things. Yeah. And so it does create a tension with, with awe, and, uh, and even if they maybe don't get the right lesson from it. But so, it may be, though, like that image of Travis Kelsey helps them to remember what she actually talked about. So you, I think so. I think so, yeah. Well, you know, because I was, I, was, I was saying that's not 
the real love for me I was getting to was Christ yeah, on the sure. cross. And that, that's true love is Christ on the cross. But anyways, uh, so, so Matt, we talked about this hook, and we talked about you know, how, do, how we do that. Uh, now, what about this next part about how do we get into the text and how do we have a discussion around that text? Once we've got their interest, what do we do with it? Right. So we've all sat through classes where it was pure lecture. And while there are some, peop- there are some teachers who can lecture and, gra- and keep everybody's attention, and it's amazing for an hour, uh, most of us, especially because we don't have the time if we're teaching a couple classes a week and plus a sermon, um, most of us can't do that. And on a, again, a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, most people don't have the mental energy to sit through a 40-minute lecture. Culturally, we maybe could handle that a little more a few years ago, but not anymore. And so most of us like a good discussion. Mm-hmm. And someone could ask, well, why would we even do this? Why are we even talking about discussion? And the simple fact is, in the educational world, most people agree we learn better in community. Mm-hmm. We learn more when there's conversation. It's more interesting. It's more engaging. Um, it stirs the pot more. It's risky. Like, doing discussion is risky. And we probably all know some teachers who were risk-averse. Mm-hmm. They just were too nervous to open it up. And I get that it probably depends on the context. And there are probably some churches and class settings in churches where there's one or two people that make you scared to death to do a discussion mm-hmm. um, or won't, or make it difficult to do a discussion. I get that. But I think most of us agree, like, this is worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth doing the hard work um, that that it takes to create a discussion, but it doesn't just happen. I think sometimes we think, okay, discussion is here's my here's my outline, here's my content. Well, I can just go in and ask some questions. And most of us have experienced we think that's what's going to happen, and then we wonder why a discussion doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It takes some preparation ahead of time. Yeah. Well, and I think we we're often trained Bible class teachers on the old uh, Bible workbooks, which just ask a question right from the text. So, you know, how many loaves and fish did Jesus feed them? And you fill in, the, you know, well, Jesus fed yeah. them this. And that's not what we're talking about, is it? No. Asking identification or what questions uh, is not discussion. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's fine to do. Like, it's okay. We all do it. Hey, who, who said this or where in the Bible? But that's, that's not discussion. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's some teachers who mistakenly think, well, I've created discussion because I got people to answer some identification questions or who said that or what is this question. That's not discussion. Good discussion questions usually include que- these sorts of questions. Why, mm-hmm. how, or what does it look like? So why, did, why do we think this? Or why does, why does God demand this? Why do... One of my favorites, the easiest, why do we struggle with this? Mm-hmm. Here's this, we just read this passage, why do we struggle to obey this? Or connected to that, how can we do a better job at obeying this? Those are two, you can include those questions multiple times in a class. They're easy questions. Why do we struggle with this and how can we do better at this? Mm-hmm. And that opens it up for multiple points of view. And what's great about it is there are multiple answers. Mm-hmm. That's what you want in a discussion. You want to ask a question where there are multiple ways to answer that question, where an identification question doesn't do that. Who, who said this? Well, there's one answer to that. Why do we struggle with this? Well, everybody's probably got something that they could think of that they contribute to the conversation. Um, but usually, uh, I think it's best to plant. You can come up with questions on the spot, but I like to plant them ahead of time. I'm going to put them in my notes. Uh, this requires some thinking ahead of time. Um, 
I also like to make the questions visible. Now, I don't always do this, but if I'm using a PowerPoint and I really want people to engage in a question, I'm just going to put it on the screen. And that allows me to, th I've got to think more carefully about the question because I don't want to put something dumb on the screen. So I'm going to think about it carefully. Again, I don't always do it, but when I put questions on the screen, the discussions tend to go a little bit better. Or even a handout. If you're, yeah. if you're doing a handout, uh, sometimes just put the questions and don't put all your content, and that way it leaves it open. And have you found, have you found that, let's say someone in the class says something that you may don't fully agree with. Uh, how have you found it's best to handle that? Do you let the class regulate itself, or do you immediately jump in there? How do you steer the class in the way you want it to go? <laughs> yeah, very carefully. It can be a little bit awkward. Sometimes I'll say something like, uh, you can let the rest of the class kind of think. So I say, what's everybody else think about that? Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Um, I will, I rarely say, no, that's not, I don't know if I've ever said, no, that's wrong. You've just made a heretical comment, you heretic. <laughs> that's probably not the best way to do it. I'm going to say something like, well, that's a good point of view. Maybe we could think about it in this way. Mm -hmm. um, and the same, people are going to do the same with you. They're going to, if, if you're a good teacher and you're challenging people to think in different ways, they're going to, and they feel comfortable with you, they're going to push back on you a little bit and say, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. And when you're wrong, you got to own up to it. But I think having some give and take from both sides is important. Um, but that's one of the risks of doing discussion classes in churches is that you risk some weird stuff being said, and you just handle it gently and... If all else fails, if you have elders, then you just say, uh, you let the elders handle it. <laughs> Throw it off on them. Or, or one of the best ones when you have elders sitting in the room and say, we have an elder here. <laughs> what would you think about that? What would that? you think about this? And it's not your problem <laughs> and, anymore. And, and you may be trouble in trouble in the next elders meeting on that one. <laughs> We're not recommending that. But uh, yes, in the, the class, one thing, too, that I found it's hard to do, but you have to be comfortable with silence, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, people answer I so many teachers that I hear, they'll ask a question and they'll go, and then they'll start answering it. And it's like, no, you got to let everybody be uncomfortable because they need time to think about that answer. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a couple things to like avoid in, in creating discussions, answering your own questions. Mm -hmm. So you got, give it a minute. And if you don't know what to say, repeat the question mm -hmm. rather than like, if you're rather than answer it, just repeat it and then just sit there stand there for a second in silence and usually if you're not feeling awkward somebody in the audience will feel awkward enough mm -hmm. somebody's thinking of something to say but they're just a little nervous to say it so avoid answering your own questions avoid fact questions if you're trying to create discussion um, avoid interrupting people mm. I've seen that happen before where it's just every answer the teacher interrupts in the middle of it. Now, admittedly, if there's somebody who's just rambling on and on, you're kind of looking for that spot to jump in. We've all done that before. But consistently interrupting is gonna it's gonna cause people to stop stop answering the question. If you ask a question on the spot and you say it and nobody answers, you might just think really quickly, was that a bad question? Mm -hmm. And then just say it. Say that was a bad question. Let me reword that in a little different way. Um, See, I want to avoid cutting people off, answering my own questions. Uh, I think sometimes the discussion doesn't start because it's, it's our own fault, um, because we've, we've created an atmosphere where people are a little nervous to talk. But I would then, I'm going to repeat my question. And if it's on the screen, that helps with that so people can see it. 
uh, I like to um, ask targeted questions sometimes. Mm -hmm. If there's a certain group of people that's not talking in class, if it's, for example, women in a discussion class, uh, some, sometimes men can dominate the conversation. I'll just be like, ladies, what do you guys think about this? Mm -hmm. your, your perspective on this is a little different. Or if it's where I go to church, sometimes uh, we love college students, but they're not afraid to talk in a discussion class. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll say, all right, if you're above 70, I'd love to hear what you have. To, you're definitely going to have a different perspective on this. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And that kind of forces them in and gives them, makes them feel like they have permission to jump in where maybe they were a little nervous before. So I find that to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And even like a... Sometimes you might even do an informal survey or mm -hmm. some type of, um, you know, whole class participation in some type of discussion. Yeah. that I think surveys like that are, it's another good hook mm -hmm. to put a couple of options on the screen or three or four, even if it's just about a movie. Like, mm -hmm. which, which one of these is your favorite movie or which of these is your favorite Bible stories? And I think that's, that's even a good way to do a hook mm -hmm. is to get everybody's involved like that. All right, Matt. So we've talked about introductions, building tension, uh, getting interest, and then leading to the text, which then leads to discussing the text. And so as we kind of draw this to a conclusion and thinking about being more effective Bible class teachers, what are some closing thoughts you would have uh, that, that maybe you haven't said yet? I think the big thing is with both of these, learning to create discussion and having a good hook, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It takes extra work. Sometimes it's not natural. We like to have our content. We like, and we want to make sure everything I prepared gets mm -hmm. said. Sometimes I need to back off and let trust that God, God's in control of this, and mm -hmm. people have wise, godly things to say. So stepping back, doing the hard work, because uh, it's worth it. And in a church setting, this is about creating community. I think about one of my favorite professors at the, at the doctoral level, um, at, at two, they were both great. One was a lecturer, and so it was just kind of soaking it all in, but it got tiresome you know, on these long days. The other was a community builder, and I miss, you know what I miss most? I miss the community builder. Mm -hmm. he, was, he would ask good questions. He created discussion. We were in that classroom. It felt like we were a family. Mm -hmm. I think a good Bible class that creates good discussion creates family, and isn't that what we're all about? Mm -hmm. We're a family. That's right. And, and through that, you know, we've often talked about the Bible classes are key to church growth because you are able to minister to one another through your Bible classes, and you're able to love one another and care about one another. But it, So even this vulnerability with one another of talking about the text is really important, and the Bible class teacher is really the one who sets the tone for that environment. Absolutely. I mean, you can get some... There's some tears that will be shed. You do a Bible class. You create good discussion, and somebody's willing to own up to something they've struggled with or a sin or even just a need in their life mm -hmm. or a family member that's struggling. Boy, those are moments when community is built and family gets stronger. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and it's super important, like our Bible classes and getting people involved in them and the role of a Bible class teacher. And one of the things, too, I would say, and I, I think that um, like some people are not we have trouble recruiting Bible class teachers, right? Like every congregation generally needs Bible class teachers. And I think one of the reasons is, is that people often think I've got to have X number of hours to study. Mm -hmm. And, and what, and I guess we're, I'm not trying to say be lazy with it because that's <laughs> the opposite of what you're saying. Right. But what you are saying is, is that in some ways you can spend more time making up your questions, making up a connection and that that will actually be less time than the heavy research. Right. And, 
and it also is more applicable and relatable to people. And and maybe we can get more teachers and more people can feel like they can do this. Right. Yeah, we're not trying to say be lazy, take shortcuts. No. But it's probably the case that if you carefully build a discussion class, it's going to take you less time. Mm-hmm. And people are going to... People are going to be more engaged in it. Yes. I mean, I, I hate to say they're going to enjoy it more because it's not about itching ears. I get all that. But you're going to spend a little less time probably than heavy research that people probably don't want to hear anyway. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to enjoy the class more and probably walk out of there more transformed with real ideas for life change than they would have been had you just done all that research and told them all the stuff you knew. Yes. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you being on the show with us today. And we are uh, want to encourage our listeners to rate and review our podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we look forward to future episodes of the FHU Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.